0: That's all you have to do. Okay, don't have to worry about shutting off or anything. Well, welcome, everybody, and uh, yeah. So I, I, uh, well, I wanted to jump on what you were preaching about, Pastor Josh, and only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So standing firm in one spirit with one mind. So I'm a guy that really likes to get really practical, and I like uh, interaction, and I'd like to talk to you this morning uh, more than present, because um, as I mentioned in the first service, we love Newcastle, and yet I know Newcastle's going through a season of hurting. And um, I want to talk about that. Ready for a counseling session? (laughs) Paul, would you come up and counsel us? Um, Yeah, so standing firm together in unity. So how would that look? Let's talk about that. Let's say that somebody's sitting here. um, There's my dear wife. Welcome. (laughs) She's my counselor. Um so let's say that uh let's get really practical. Okay. So somebody you're you see a friend at the grocery store from church, and that friend starts to tell you about how angry they are, what's going on at Newcastle, or how hurting they are. Maybe they've been sinned against. Maybe it's not their sin. Maybe they've been sinned against. Maybe it is their sin. Maybe it's some combination, isn't it? Often a combination. So what do you do with that? So what do you do with that? So you're at the grocery store and you're with a friend and that friend is just hitting it hard, complaining, hurting. How do you respond to that? Paul, how do you respond to that? Probably just listen, for a while. listen. Wow. Isn't that hard? Isn't that really hard, especially when the emotions are coming, when the heat of the problem is coming at you full-blown? Is that not hard to just sit in that and listen? Because why? What's what's our natural tendency? I know what my natural tendency is, is, but what anybody else uh, have natural fleshly tendencies that wouldn't be, your first response wouldn't be, listen? (laughs) My wife's smiling, so you got one, dear? Yeah. You get practice yeah. of this all the time. How do you respond to me? <laughs> no, no, you're always
1: good because I'm always like and they and she and he and you're like well let's the what the, where are they saying? What were the you know, and did you
2: listen? Did you ask questions? I'm like I just just getting
0: mad at Yeah, yeah. And, and isn't it tempting to wanna uh, take on that madness too? Like, I find my own spirit, like, getting riled, like, yeah, I'm kind of angry, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's easy to get drawn into that. Um, what are what are some other responses that we've found from experience that don't work?
3: So we should just pray about
0: it. Yeah, which, you know, isn't that a beautiful truth? Mm-hmm. There, prayer changes things, and there's power in prayer. But how can that be received if I'm a really hurting person? and I'm, my soul is just slumped and I'm down, what's the risk of that? What, what, what could that say to me? Not intended, because it's a wonderful truth. It's a beautiful truth. There's power in that. But how, if I'm in a real, if I'm really hurting or I'm really angry, what could I hear? How could I receive that?
2: You're struggling because you're not
0: spiritual enough. Ah, yeah, all of a sudden I'm starting to think like, oh, wow, she she sees that I really don't have this put together and um, I'm not spiritual enough. Good. What else? We've all been in these situations. We've all been in the, the funeral line where people, very godly people mean very well, but say things and we're like, ooh, that just kind of hurt. Yes, ma'am. I personally struggle with being a fixer,
1: I always want to be. I mean, if I hear a
0: problem, I oh. really want to fix it. So taking a step back to say, What can I do to help? You need words of encouragement. Are mm-hmm. you looking for advice versus just going full force and just trying to fix everything? Yeah. Isn't that fixing a temptation? Mm-hmm. Again, good desire. Wow, my, my friend's hurting so bad. I want to help. I I want to help. I want to them in this situation, but, but too often then isn't the default, not the gospel the pastor was preaching about this morning, it's just relief. I just got to get them some relief, and I have the answers. And I think in general, we as men probably are, have followed that temptation more than women in general, if that's a fair statement, it seems that way. Um, we're just wired to like, here's the problem. And, uh, yeah, who was, uh, anybody remember Bob Newhart, the Bob Newhart show? (laughs) Bob Newhart was a psychologist on a television show and his method was very simple. It was just like, well, if that's your problem, well, then just stop it. (laughs) Just stop it. We'll just stop doing that. (laughs) And isn't it so often a, um, what appears like an easy fix, when we're not in the heaviness of that, either being sinned against or sinning, it seems so clear, like, well, yeah, it's just this, this, and this. Just stop doing that or tell that person to stop doing that and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And what would that, we know what it doesn't lead to because it's not gospel transformation. Pastor preached on the gospel transformation, that tension that's so hard, yet so beautiful, so truthful. Um and those those ditches that he was preaching about are so big and so easy to walk into. But what um, yeah, what what does that do? When we do that and we all do it, well what, what are we really what are we really doing for that person? Or what are we doing for ourselves? Let me ask it that way. No one else has that temptation of sinful, like, wow, I, I want to be the savior. <laughs> I have the answer. I got... It usually turns
4: pretty uh, land centered instead of God-centered, more horizontal and
1: vertical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Number one, I think a risk, when I've done that looking back, it's like, well, I was just wanting to feel good about myself. I want that person to worship me. We would never use those terms, but God would. I mean, that's the truth. Like, I'm, I'm really just building myself up. And we've all been in that seat, too, where someone's like, I've got your answer. You just need to do A, B, and C. And who's experienced that, and what does that feel like? Does that feel like a unity of spirit and one mind? I actually feel unloved when that happens. And I and almost start think, thinking things like, wow, they, they really don't even understand the problem I'm in, or how bad I'm hurting right now, because they didn't ask questions. There was a point I used to think this lie that asking questions was was not a loving thing, like I'm getting in somebody else's business. Like who am I? Like I I don't they're gonna take that as interrogation. Who am I to be asking them questions around this right now? But isn't that loving? Isn't that has anyone experienced the opposite of that, where you're really just being listened to, and by the end of the conversation, you're like, this person gets me. They understand what I'm going through. Anybody experienced that? Anybody want to share what that's like, the opposite of uh, what's it like to be on the other end when someone listens really well? I know there's people in here that have experienced that, so don't leave me hanging up here. <laughs> if someone listens really well, a lot of times,
2: it leaves, if, that, if the person who is speaking is a believer and the person who's listening is a believer and that person is listening really well, a lot of times that leaves room for the Spirit, for the person who's speaking, to talk themselves to conclusions sometimes on, on their own or at least, express fully so that then they can trust the person who is receiving and speaking back to them and, like you said, feel understood. And so I feel, uh, in my experience, having somebody who truly listens, it just opens up the door for the Spirit to work with
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I like the word you said, trust, because often when we're hurting, isn't that really hard to trust somebody else with our stuff? Aren't we actually saying in our own heart, like, what are we saying in our own heart at that point? Before I know I can trust someone with my heaviness, what am I, what am I asking myself? Can I trust them? What are they going to do with this information? Is this going to get worse? <laughs> I'm already hurting. I don't want this to get worse. I can't handle any more hurting. Aren't those normal things that we ask ourselves? And don't we kind of give little mini trial balloons in that situation where we're going to trust somebody with a little bit and just see how that goes. And then maybe we'll trust more later, but it's a process. It takes time. Trust takes time to be built. Um, yeah, that's good. Questions for me? Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so let, let me circle back then to realities of what I perceive at, at our church here in Newcastle. So what do, you, what do you do? So somebody's starting to express their hurt to you here in the church. They're hurting, they're complaining, they're expressing hurt. How we listen... So we ask good questions and we're not asking what I call leading questions. Don't we hate those? We're actually, somebody's really making a point, but they're asking a question. It's in a question, but they're really making a point. It's not a real question. A real question wants to really know. A real question wants to really understand what that person's saying. Um, So, so then what, then what do we do? That person's, uh, you're at the grocery store and you do have some extra time with them and they're talking and um, you're listening because at that point that person's probably pretty revved up and you're just really trying to understand and loving them by listening well. So what do you do with that then? So that person puts it out there, puts it on the table. Then what do you do?
5: I do so much in a grocery
0: store, yeah. It's a hard setting. So I'm proposing to listen more in um,
5: you said, What can you do to people when you say I'm praying for you? I think that, like you said, that's precious, and we know that's more powerful than anything in reality. But if you just tell someone to pray for them, it can give them the message that um, you don't want to get in their mess or that they're messy or they're not worth your time. And so just offering them more time outside the grocery. And like Kylie said, like um, listening again, opening the door for the spirit to move, looking for guidance. I think most of the time we do offer things to people, but we want it to be led by the Spirit.
0: Yep, because our tendency is want to offer some man-centered wisdom, either from our experience, isn't this one painful? Like, you're you're hurting, and the very first thing people say is like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Back in 1982, I had the same thing. Let me tell you about it. You're like, whoa, you don't even understand what I'm talking about or that I'm hurting, and you're giving me this solution. And first of all, that was your solution. That's not my solution. Um, but that's a painful one. So the thank you for uh, let's – let's walk to another context then. So your friend at the grocery store says um, – you offer to let's have coffee the next morning. So now you're at a setting where you have some time, it's more relaxed, and you're back with that person at, at the having coffee. So now what are you doing? So now you're not in this hurried, I don't know what to do. Um, although back to the grocery store real quickly, um, I just had uh, I just had a friend um, the Weeds and I have a mutual friend, Joe Russell, over at Russell Cycle in Washington, and I picked up my bike yesterday, and I watched Joe Russell. If anybody knows him, he's, he's very forward with his faith, and um, so I'm sitting there, and he was jammed, so I'm waiting to pick up my bike, and there was probably 10 people in there, and he's walking around ministering right there in his business, and, and he, uh, somebody came forward, and they were bringing the bike of a relative that just died, and then he just jumped on it he just jumped on it. You know, he was there to sell and service bikes, but I watched him minister to that couple. And all of a sudden I'm turning around and he's in this prayer huddle right there. It was beautiful. I was very challenged by that because too often I don't take the opportunity to pray right then, right then when that person's hurting. So maybe that's something that we can do Even at a grocery store, that would glorify God. Yeah, we may look a little uh, off, but um, I think that would glorify God of taking that moment and saying, you know what, could I pray with you right now? Would that be okay? I know we're in aisle four at the grocery store, but could I pray with you right now? I would like to do that more often in my life. I was very uh, blessed. And then Joe prayed for me. I'm putting the bike in the van and he's like, hey, can I pray for you? (laughs) I'm like, wow, thank you. So, um, yeah, taking that opportunity, not just to say, I'm going to pray for you and even put it on a list. And that's a good thing. But but saying, hey, can I pray for you right now, right now in this setting? So now you're at the coffee shop and you have a little bit more extended time and you have. um, You have a different setting that's not as rushed. So you're at the coffee shop now. Now, what are you doing? The person's maybe telling you the same thing. I saw Ben raising his hand, the director of counseling. So now what are you doing, Ben?
1: Well, asking questions never stops. The next day, they may have calmed down. You may have more questions to ask. So we always need to be asking questions. reminder of Proverbs 18.13, he speaks before he hears. It's his folly and shame. So... We need to really understand, but then we also need to remember a few verses later, Proverbs 18, 17, that says two sides to every story, right? So we still need to know that us speaking into a situation that we may not fully understand may be our folly and shame. Uh, but even as we do come to understand and ask more questions, Paul tells us in, in 1 Thessalonians 5:14 14, of, there's moments of admonishment we may have to do. There's moments of encouragement, and then there's moments of help we may need to offer people. But I love when he closes that with, with the patient with them all. Mm-hmm. So regardless in the, in the coffee shop, and grocery store, um, or or in the counseling setting, there's an immense amount of patience that we all need to practice. That uh, I know myself struggle to practice often yeah. because I either want the problem fixed or to go away, or at least not be my problem, or in the best case, not be their problem anymore. But, Uh, I think God calls us to a supernatural level of patience that we need to practice.
0: Yeah, it's hard, isn't it, in those settings, to be be patient and just to sit in that, I like the word messy, because we are really messy, aren't we? Um, Sitting in that deep end of the pool with that person in the mess, and um, it's really hard to have patience in that setting. And then the truth of that proverb that that first time you hear a story, boy, that can sound really believable, especially if you know some of the circumstance in the people. It can be like, oh, yeah, I could see how Mike could do that. I totally believe you. I'm going to put him on the cross. He's terrible. I've seen that. I've seen that in Mike. Um, but unless we get that other side of the story, there's always another side of the story. Now that, it still may be that that person really is the sinner. It may very well be Mike's sin. But until you hear the rest of the story, you're gonna get. We're gonna get swayed. We're gonna believe lies, and we're gonna look like a fool because we're gonna move out on that. And there's always more to the story. So I really appreciate you mentioning that. We need. We need to get to the other side of the story somehow. So could that be? Could that be uh, a possible idea? Could that be, uh, let's say it's a husband and wife and you're hearing stuff and, boy, you, you listen to the husband and it sounds crystal clear that she's the problem, 100%. And you know the person enough to say, yeah, I could, I could see that. Probably is right. So how, how do you, uh, could, it, could a possible idea be in going to the other spouse and, and asking them about that? I recognize, that feel uncomfortable to anybody? (laughs) Because why? Because we believe, well, that's that's kind of their problem. Who am I to go talk to them about that? Who am I to ask questions about that? What if I get put in a place I don't know how to respond?
2: Would it be appropriate just to say, how can I help? Ah. And then
1: if they say, would you talk to, da, 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 or would Mm. you, you know, then you can...
0: The simplicity. How can I help?
3: Take the kids so they can have a weekend together, whatever.
0: And it can be very practical. You can help by just um, giving me a half hour of quiet today, just so I can have some time in the Word and pray. Take. Can you take the kids for a lunch? Can you get on the list? Yeah, yeah, thank you for that simplicity of just that simple question. Because that we can be off on that too, can't we? I've done that so many times where I think what they need for help is not really what they need for help. And actually what I'm bringing them is, is sometimes worse than not help. It's, it's making it heavier. All of a sudden I'm putting an extra burden on them when they're in, the, in this desperate place of hurt right now. Yeah, thank you. How how can I help? What would help look like right now? Can I help? What can I do? What simply can I do today? When someone's in that deep spot of hurting when they can barely get out of bed, what can I help? Okay. All right, so we're in the coffee shop and um you've heard at least one side of the story. You know the, God's wisdom that I need to get to the other side of the story somehow, some way, if I'm really going to understand. What else are you doing? How else are you, as the scripture that Pastor preached on, that coming alongside, I, I also like that side-by-side. Ed Welch wrote an incredible book called Side-by-Side side that talks about how we do the one-anothers. Um, how else do you walk side-by-side in unity with that person at the coffee shop now? You probably aren't hearing too much more than what you heard at the grocery store, but you're hearing it again. And now you're hearing it in a setting where there's more freedom and time that you're probably even hearing more. More of the hurt, more of the emotion, more of the pain. What are you what are you doing now? How are you gonna come along side by side with that person? Just the next... I would do a lot of praying before I got to
3: the coffee shop. Mm. things, I probably would say, I'm really sorry to hear that, and I will be praying and thinking of you, as well as whatever the problem is, and we'll stay in touch, but I would really, really do a lot of praying before I ever <laughs> went coffee
0: shop. That's so wise, preparing our own hearts for that, because because if I appreciate the, the dependence on God in that, and also looking for the wonderful counselor to come do the work, not like, okay, I've already got my four things I'm coming to the table with to give them. Um, Yeah, Lord, prepare my heart, give me the words, give me your words, not my words. That's a beautiful place of preparing our own hearts. So you have that time of prayer, you're preparing your heart, you're asking the Lord to give you the words So this is actually the night before you're going to that coffee shop and and your your heart's ready now you've done the work that you can control preparing your own heart and you're going you're going into that battle now to go side by side with your friend what else are you doing in that coffee shop
2: i think it's huge to thank that person for sharing even even if it's to the point of maybe Over sharing, destructive sharing, just saying, like, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for sharing. I'm glad to hear where you are at, not like affirming their anger or not affirming their anger, just like thank you. And then I think it's huge like what you've been getting at here on the other side, but like talking with that person through okay, what is the core reason like you are anchored by this? And then Helping that person figure out, like, oh, simply, this is why I'm frustrated. And then encouraging that person or challenging that person, like, how how could you bring this up to the person that you are angry at? How could you bring this up with the person who who, who sinned against you? Or maybe who, you know, this anger is directed towards. Because simplifying communications to where it's like, you're talking directly to the person that you're frustrated with like obviously if you can't always do that right at the beginning because it's really deep and you have to figure out how am i going to approach this person and what am i going to say and how am i going to make it not this big blur but just kind of having that goal of like how can we bring that other person into it so that there can be reconciliation and so there's not always a mediator um, and i think that 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 can be really big in cases of anger
0: and frustration hmm. Hmm. Sometimes side-by-side is going to get another one of us sheep and bringing and encouraging communication between the parties in conflict. Any other other responses to that? That had a lot in it. Thoughts on, um, what's your first name again? Kylie. Kylie, thank you. Yeah, other thoughts to uh, Kylie's response to that? Yes, ma'am.
5: And potentially hoping that the spirit can use you to help them discover what's behind my anger. Is it helplessness? Is it betrayal? Is it it just? I. I. There's lots of reasons that we can end up feeling angry because anger. We can anger can feel empowering. Mm. And sometimes the, the emotion behind the anger
0: doesn't feel empowering. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, this is one of the dangers with talk therapy. If I go to for talk therapy and I'm really angry and I have someone that just listens and never pivots with that, I'm going to leave even probably more angry and wrongly believe like, yeah, I, I should be angry. I deserve to be angry yeah yeah that was really interesting how you you brought up there's something deeper even in that anger yeah so Ben Holman's probably drawn this 40 times already one way or another in here but um, so yeah in the biblical counseling world um, you know that we, what we get to hear about often when people are coming to us, and actually at, someday I hope there's the word biblical counseling goes away. Like even in the ministry now, we're, we're calling it biblical soul care. You can you can see how that's just a different space. Some people will be like, well, what are you talking about? What's soul care? Other people would would say, okay, yeah, that's a little bit different than, because when we hear the word counseling, if we went around the room and said what that word means to each of us. I'll bet we're going to get about 40 different responses. So, but what I want to highlight is um, what you just said. So when we see anger, and anger, um, anger can be good. There is such a thing called righteous anger. Not that I know what that means, really. <laughs> I haven't practiced much of it, but I do believe there is such a thing as righteous anger because God has righteous anger. And I think there's times we should be angry about sin because God's angry about sin. Never thought about that? Sometimes that's a deep thought. But these are the things, this is the fruit. This is the fruit we get to see in our lives. You know, maybe... maybe uh, you know, I'm lonely or maybe maybe you're seeing me depressed or maybe you're seeing me having lots of anxiety. We go down, down the list. So those I would propose from a biblical perspective is just fruit. Those are all the things that we get to see in our lives that's evident that we're either talking about or is really clear. Or Mike is just a ticked off dude. All the time. Every time I talk to him, all he does is complain, and he's hating people. That's all he. That's all he ever talks about. But there's something deeper here, and this is a significant. This is if this isn't the one of the major differences in uh, biblical counseling versus all the other types of approaches to counseling is that we're wanting to get to the root. I think that's what you were starting to, to allude to is. I'm hearing the anger. I know I need to do something with it. At some point in time, one of you said, uh, you know, maybe not right away. Because if I don't listen well first before I start going to the root cause, what am I gonna do to that person? Are they gonna experience me as love? No, they're gonna experience that as hurt and not patience. Like they're not even, they're not even really listening to my hurt yet. And they want to already tell me about my sin. Nobody wants to be in that position either. Although we may be accurate, but boy, we don't go there right away. Why? No, you're, you're dead wrong, Mike. I, I, if I see sin, I'm going to call that sin out. Pastor, why is, uh, you were kind of hitting upon it this morning already. Why, why is that not loving? Why is that not side by side? If I just start going right after the sin, even though I see it really clearly, and boy, I'm revved up to go after it. Why wouldn't I do that?
4: Yeah, there's, you know, if that person perceives that you're not listening and entering into their world, they're going to be less likely to receive that. So it's more, I believe it's generally more loving to start with the suffering first and then then move to the sin. unless unless you're really dealing with somebody in a real dangerous sin pattern that it needs to be addressed right away. But it's that way of building that involvement in their life and demonstrating that love to them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We want to be heard. We want to be understood. But doing side by side, we can't stay there. We have got to some point in time pivot. I call it going vertical. One of you were, was kind of saying that. I mean, there, at some point in time, we need to turn the conversation to get them to bring, bring Jesus, the wonderful counselor, into the conversation without being hurtful, without being judging, without being impatient. But at some point in time, we got to, uh, I guess Paul was talking about the horizontal. We, we can hang on a horizontal basis out of love to listen and to understand. But at some point in time, we got to go vertical we got to get them going vertical. We got to get them thinking about what does God think about this situation? Because otherwise we could we could be very dangerous. We could do a lot of things in our own strength, in a lot of our own man-centered wisdom and not bring God's wisdom into it. So how do you make that pivot? You've listened. The person understands you, excuse me, you underst- the person feels heard and understood. You've listened well enough at the coffee shop. You've heard a lot of the anger. You already know that that's not the problem. There's probably something deeper going on here. Jeremiah would call this heart wicked, deceitful. That's the truth. Even as believers, we still have this flesh that we're in this war in our own soul. That deceitful heart can take over. And this is the fruit that we get to see. When Mike's heart's this, This is just the fruit. It's gonna come out. A number of us have heard the analogy with a water bottle. If I'm up here with a bottle of water and I squeeze it, what's coming out? Water. So this deceitful heart left alone in a human perspective is gonna bring a lot of yuck. So how do you make that pivot now? You're at the coffee store, or store, coffee uh, shop. You've listened well, you've loved well, the person feels loved and understood, now how do you begin to pivot where you're going to try to get to what's really going on down here? Because we know this is not the root cause. There's a much deeper root cause here that we need to see God do heart surgery with. But as as, uh, Paul Tripp would call us, instruments in a Redeemer's hands, we are the scapel that he's going to use to go there. How do you get there? This is, this is the hard part, I would propose. This is where it gets hard. Because when you're going in as a surgeon, as one of God's instruments, if we're not allowing, if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit and and just an instrument, if we start going in there with fleshly human stuff, we're just going to make a mess. Paul, do you have a thought? Well,
4: sometimes i starting with myself as, as an example. So, Same feelings they've expressed for the last two hours, (laughs) Um, but I've noticed in myself I can trace that back to something going on deeper, and maybe even give an example, a real life example of how I've done that and traced it back, and even ask, like discussing, brainstorming together on on how there might be something uh, underlying this. for issues that are really the uh, deeper. If you've started talking about using the word sin, again, that would be you won't start there. But um, even saying the sin behind the sin or under the sin.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I like your point of. Sometimes, if if we. Are expressing we we've, we've struggled too in this or you know there's I, I hear that as a continued building of understanding and that person's feeling loved on boy Paul I'm, and and also not believing the lie what's one of the biggest lies when people are really hurting badly what's one of the biggest lies that they're telling themselves often you
4: get over
0: it you get over it yeah thank you what else there's a bunch of them in this justified? Yeah. Yeah. And my heart left alone believing that is a danger is that I want to become the judge. I want to judge them. I am justified and I am going to be your judge. That's a danger to that. But yeah, so that's another lie. I'm justified in this. That person definitely did that to me. I was sinned against and I am justified in this anger. What else? What other lies? Yes, ma'am. I wasn't thinking about lies, but my
5: thoughts here are immediately if I were to be in a coffee shop with somebody who was opening up and being vulnerable, my immediate reaction would be to offer healthy coping skills. Um, Just, you might not be able to go through the root of the heart and things that you see, but maybe you can identify with the feeling and say, I, you know, I appreciate you sharing this with me i've felt similar in my own life and these are things that god brought to me that really helped me um i can help you um get started with this and you can see what god will do to um you know help you with that if you don't like that maybe we can find something else um and i also think it's important to acknowledge that whenever we are on a journey to be the hand of god that we also need to honor ourselves and realize that when we take on the burdens of others, we also need to give that to
0: God because those are too heavy for us to carry. Through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've probably all experienced that heaviness. And it's again a good desire. Um, my heart is heavy because that per- my friend is hurting, and we we can take that on. I, I struggle with that. And um, yeah, and and if we don't, as disciple makers, give that weight to the Lord, we'll just be crushed we can't only jesus is has the strength to carry that we don't
1: so you talk about this this pivot and, and you've talked about it a, it is a work of the holy spirit right i mean no pivot. right i can able to say anything that in our own power pivots them it's that humble dependence on prayer asking the holy spirit to work is a recognition that the holy Spirit's working but we also have the greatest tool given to us of the holy spirit speaking is Bible, right, so biblical and biblical counseling, so the pivot can be, hey, let's study God's word together, and what does God's word say about what you're thinking, feeling, and doing, so pushing them to the Holy Spirit, reveal perfectly in God's word is often an effective pivot, so where it stops us from offering our own counsel, uh, it stops them from looking for counsel outside of God's perfect holy word, It, it just drives us straight to God's word. Yeah, yeah.
4: Well,
2: and I think that ties into one of the biggest lies that, like, hurting as hurting people, we can tell ourselves, is I'm the only one experiencing this. And um, obviously, that's not true in terms of I'm the only one experiencing a general emotion. But I think that's, like, a lot of times where, like, I'm challenged. i like, I need to know scripture well so that when I'm sitting with somebody uh, and I'm listening, I can say, Okay, I'm hearing what you're what I'm hearing from you telling me is that you're frustrated and you're angry because of this and this and this, and it's making me think of this character in the Bible who was wronged by this other character in the Bible, and so maybe we should read it and like see what God had to say about their situation, because then it's also depersonalizing it, and it's a lot easier, in, in my experience like to identify like oh this is what that person needs to do in order to like not be angry anymore and being able to do that with bible characters to see this is what they did and like this was either good and god commended that or that was not good and god did not commend it and he corrected them in this way it's easier to be able to like find a solution for that person and then be able to like apply it internally um, but it, wasn't, it was easier to do with another person because it wasn't like saying, oh, I'm wrong in this way and this is what I need to do to fix it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's also relying on the spirit then for like, I mean, God's word is, is, is sharper than a double, double-edged sword. Like it cuts to the heart and it can show us really where we are sinning more than anybody telling us something that specific that we're struggling with and so i think going back like yeah like you were saying going back to the word of how can you identify with what's here because god god has addressed it there's nothing
0: new under the sun yeah yeah we want them to talk to the wonderful counselor <clears throat> and that's one of the biggest traps is that we can we can get in the way of that we can be hurtful we can complicate it we can bring man-centered wisdom and all those things just walks that person to a different place, but allowing the wonderful counselor to do the work and getting out of the way. Sometimes I think biblical counseling is just getting out of the way and walking him to the cross and watch God do the work. It seems so simplistic, but honestly, I think that's the truth of it. So if... <clears throat> and I think that this, I'm the only one, no one can understand me, no one's experienced this, I am the only one. That's exactly where our enemy wants us, right on that island, all alone, believing that lie. Dear?
2: Looking, would you think hearing God's word, reading God's word, will convict you
0: all the time. It should. Convict yeah. You, but mostly it will because it's God's word.
3: It's not him telling you; she's telling. That's just a lot of times gets your back up a little bit. What well, they just don't really understand. But when you're reading and hearing God's word, you you can't argue with that. And He will, He will convict your heart so much better than if you're hearing it from somebody. Else. And you gotta let God do that work.
0: Yeah yeah, and I mean, it's almost uh, I say this, my one of my mentors, Larry Briquette, used to say this, but if you don't like it, take it up with God. <laughs> I mean, it really, I, I say that flippantly, but isn't that the truth? We want to just walk them to the wonderful counselor and hear what the wonderful counselor has to say and get out of the way. and then and then they're in this wrestling match with God. that's That's the wonderful spot that now they have to go vertical. And it really doesn't matter what we're talking about horizontal. They're, they're in a wrestling match with our Lord. And that's not a good place to be. One of the scariest verses in the whole Bible to me is that God opposes the proud. That scares me because I've been prideful too often. And it scares me to think about the holy creator of the universe, not just against me or discipline me, opposing me. That's a bad place. That's a bad place. So, so let's say now, because well, we're going to have to land the plane here soon. Um, so, let's say you're at the coffee shop, and you've done that. You've listened well. You've brought the wonderful counselor into the conversation. You're, you've brought the Word of God into the conversation, and. Um, you've actually got to a point where they trust you enough that let's say it is a sin problem. Let's say that for this instance, it wasn't mainly a sufferer because we're going to have to treat somebody that's suffering. We're going to minister to that person if it's primarily a sufferer. We're going to minister to that person much differently than we are with a blatant sinner that is refusing to stop sinning. And let's say that you've had the opportunity to lovingly confront that a little bit now. So now you're in your fifth uh, time in the coffee shop because that's going to take time, should take time. So you got to that place now and you're at a place where you actually can hear what the sin problem is and you're beginning to bring God's word into the dialogue and watch the wonderful counselor work, but that heart is rejecting that. What do you do with that? we've all been there too. That, that's the hardest part of discipleship, intensive discipleship, which is another word for biblical counseling I like. <clears throat> Isn't it heartbreaking when you love a person and you bring God's truth and you're, you really believe that God could help them dramatically, but that heart doesn't want to listen? What do you do with that? Yeah, it really is a faith. It's like reminding myself that I'm not the wonderful counselor, and I really don't bring any power. I bring a lot of risk to the table in this counseling session. Uh, We need the wonderful counselor through the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit to crack that heart. So how how long do you continue to go back to this person when this heart's this way?
3: show me the sin in my life and that we would pray together for the person that's offended you and we pray with you (coughs) that you would be forgetting of that person that's offended you and that God will bring that to their mind and give peace in your mind that if there's things that you need to do that you can do and just be thankful for what God's done to you as well And it's hard to do, but
0: um, until we can have forgiveness, we won't have peace. Yeah. Yeah, and, and really, although my flesh likes to stay at that place of poor me and that person sinned against me, when I'm really allowing Jesus to frame my heart in that, I really can't say anything other than I forgive them. So there is a definite posture in my heart that I have to forgive. Or I may need others. I may need the body of Christ, like you're describing. Help me to see that and repent of that unforgiveness in my own heart. Ask Christ to
3: give us that forgiveness.
0: That yeah. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, if we're listening, will will we'll change our heart to be able to forgive that. It's beautiful. That's the gospel. That's the power of the gospel the pastor was preaching about this morning. We don't bring anything to the table. but We do have a responsibility. So I need to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Not that I do anything to earn salvation, but now that I'm saved and I'm being sanctified, I have a pretty heavy responsibility because there should be fruit that's being shown from that. Should be fruit. Not out of duty, not out of legalism, but out of love. Like, I want God's fruit to be flowing. So yeah, so so you've uh, you're helping that person see over time, even though they've been sinned against very badly and their heart's are hurting, their heart may even beginning to become hardened towards the gospel and the body of Christ and even being in the word. But that person eventually reaches a place of confessing that and being forgiven. Anybody know 1 John nine Off the top of your head, a bunch of, a bunch of people in here know that verse. If, if we confess our... Yes,
1: just
0: Amen. Amen. So that's, uh, there's a promise that it will be forgiven, but there's a condition. We have a part. What's our part? Confess. Confess. And then he does that because we're such good people and um, we're so believing. No, it's because he's faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's that whole process of sanctification that we're all in as believers and followers of Christ. But, but let's say now you've done that and you've helped that person um, even repent of their own seeds of bitterness in their heart. Now, how do you do side by side to help that person go reconcile? This is where it gets hard.
3: And
0: you want to live and have the joy serving him. Yeah. Whether it's in your marriage or in your family. Amen. Yeah, it's our motive. And Jesus, who he is and what he's done for you. And that you just pray that it will just beam
3: out of them. Mm. You know, that it's not easy. Yeah. It's
0: not something that happens after- away. No, it's not quick. There's no quick <laughs> fix. Sometimes God can do it like that, but often it's this process of... What do you do, though, if you, you're, you're hanging in that relationship, you've helped them come to a place of repentance of their own unforgiveness, but their, their relationship's broken with somebody else. You continue in friendship. What what else? Uh, Let's uh, somebody else join in the fun helper. Um, What else do you do at that point? If we're doing side by side and we're living in unity, what's our responsibility at the coffee shop now with that person? That person's, um, number one, they're they're saying they've forgiven, but a, a fruit of that should be, I believe, at least an attempt to go reconcile. I like how God doesn't leave us alone in that. Like, he, I, either if I have, somebody has something against me, I have to go. And if, so, and if I've sinned against you, you need to come to me. So we're gonna, we should be meeting somewhere in there. And we need others to help us in this, because it's extremely difficult. I think that's God's wisdom of Matthew 18 steps, is you go by yourself, but you don't do that second time. Now you're going with witnesses. And ultimately, it ends up at the church. I praise God that Newcastle practices church restoration. I praise God for that. I see churches that don't do that, loved ones, and and I'm telling you, it ends up at a bad place because I would propose that that next step, ultimately, if you're following Matthew 18, and that person's not willing to reconcile with that other brother or sister, um, they may be saying that they've forgiven, but they've not really gone here yet. And there could be a point where we do all of that faithfully and obediently in the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in that, and that person still doesn't repent. When they go to try to reconcile, there may not be a reconciled, restored relationship. We have a duty to try, but I love that verse talks about doing as much as it depends on you. Ultimately we we have to reach a place where we're saying, I've I've taken my sin to the person, I've brought a couple witnesses. Now I've brought it to the elders. Praise God for that. I've watched God over and over again in that last stage. Not often, sadly. Sometimes hearts are so deceitful and so hardened that even at this stage, uh, those people continue to wander and, and leave, sadly, but it, but it happens. But I've also seen the opposite. When we've gotten to that third stage, and it took that third stage to get that person's attention, to start saying, whoa, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it is my sin. So praise God that this church practices that. Just be encouraged in that. Pastor, I think we're, is it, um, are we, we're, yeah. So anything you want to uh, clean up for me or, uh, <laughs> correct? Oh, <nice>. oh <laughs> no,
4: that, that was super helpful. Um, did anything Mike say spark kind of a, a question or it didn't even have to be related to this? Any, any
2: last minute questions? Well, something I thought of was, is when you take something like this and simplify it out children, what do I say to
1: my kids? Why do you hit it? Well, so yeah, I had a good reason, right? But what, why did you? You control your hands, you control what you think, you control what comes out of your mouth. I know that you know, take personal responsibility, you know, and as adults, we we're a lot more sophisticated in saying that, but we're doing the same thing. So I kind of now
0: It's a great one. Paul Tripp wrote a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And it's all about, if we don't get to the heart of the matter, because our flesh would be like, oh, you guys go to your room and just stop it and, you know, just stop that sin. But the art of getting to the heart of that is the hard part. And that's where all those things we talked about is has to be present patience and questions. And
4: Very good. So uh, we have uh, put together a collection for Mike. Uh, I know you're a very generous church. And uh, we we definitely appreciate that. So, Mike, um, we'd like to uh, present you with this heartfelt gift um, from the folks here at Newcastle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, jokes. <laughs> that's good <laughs> but, that's no, good we, we really do appreciate um mike here let's uh if you will let's pray for him and bcm uh right now so our dear our dear heavenly father lord thank you for our brother mike uh, thank you for him and his pride and their willingness to come today to share with us Just so encouraging to hear from his wisdom and experience lord just in a very loving gentle graceful way and uh, especially with these very relevant matters that many of us are, are dealing with here, Lord. So thank you for that today. I pray that we can all respond well to this, Lord. Um, I truly believe that you've given us all uh, an opportunities to be able to practice these things. I believe that there, there are people that you bring in contact with us, um, and we have the opportunity to minister to them, just yes, as Mike was talking about today, Lord, so help us to do that well. So we pray for Mike now at BCM, Lord. We pray that you will continue to um, bring more churches into line with uh, with what they're they're seeking to do, Lord, with biblical counseling and soul care. Please give them courage and endurance, as it's it's difficult to do this. There's many competing worldviews and philosophies out there uh, regarding these kind of matters, Lord. And I'm thankful for pastors and church leaders and church members who recognize that. The care of souls uh, should happen within churches, Lord, and we're not simply here to send people off um, to work to wherever voices that, that they may hear, Lord, but to to do this well in our church. So I pray for each and every person in this room, Lord, that you will help us in our care of our souls, Lord. Thank you again for my and bless him and provide for him. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Where did you find that? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That that would be something. That would be something I would do. <laughs>